0: somebody says beside you, let's say this together our father, in the name of your son Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. Everyone can behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified as we are edified. Amen. All right let there be light let's study that this morning let there be light amen Amen. let there be light let's see if we can finish it today we've been on it since um for quite a while but let's see if we can finish it today if not we'll finish it finally next week how many of you have been blessed so far I don't have been blessed so far with this series. Let there be light. Alright, Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. So we said that darkness is a spiritual reality. And it implies that it is not physical. Darkness is not physical. And light there is not a physical light. God wasn't saying, let there be RGE light and a physical darkness. That wasn't what he was talking about. We said he was talking about a spiritual reality. And when we say darkness there, we said darkness is the state of a man who hasn't believed the gospel? Darkness is the art of the unbelieving man. So when you read through the scriptures and you see the word darkness, it gives you a picture of what the scriptures is saying. It gives you a picture of what darkness is saying. And it gives you a picture of what light is saying. So if you read through the scriptures, and one thing you must note in understanding the scriptures is that the first five books was written by Moses, and that is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Dethonomy, was written by Moses. And every other writer of the scriptures built from his writing, because he is the establishment of the writings of the scriptures. Because it is from his vocabularies, we have the word heaven. It is from his vocabularies, we have the word earth. It is from his vocabularies, we have the word Morning, the evening. It is from his vocabulary we have the word darkness, light. It is from his vocabulary we have the word covenant, promise. It is from his vocabulary we have the word guardian of Eden, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, tree of the knowledge of uh, good and evil, and the tree of the um, tree of life. It is from his vocabulary we have um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It is from his vocabulary we have Cain. Abel, God created this, Sabbath day, rest, it is from his vocabulary. So that means, if you don't understand how he used those words, you can't understand how he used the words in the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that shows, if you don't understand how Moses used the word in the scriptures, that is, like I told you now, we are building from his vocabularies. His vocabulary is like, he was the one who told us God created the Firmament, God created the sun, God created the moon, God created man, God created woman. If you don't even understand the essence of man in his writings, you will miss the entire context of man in the scriptures. Because it's like saying like it's like saying um, what they thought you in elementary school, or they thought you in elementary school that two plus two is four, Right, and when you get into um, when you get into middle school, they are going to expand it further and give you algebra. Right, so two plus two now start expanding. The number one plus one is equal to two. Two plus two. They now start expanding so many things. And the one I hate most, especially when you start doing further mathematics, is um, if x is equal to y, find x. What's the meaning of that statement? All the people that do math in this in this world, I feel like they are doing a demonic. (laughs) <laughs> a demonic cause Why was the meaning of if x is equal to y y is equal to z find x what's my business with x <laughs> so, and they will start doing the I don't know, say show your workings that's the one i hate most in school show your workings you could just have arrived at a conclusion and you know you can cram certain things that you have read online and you just put it there they will say, but it's just saying no you missed it because you did not show your workings what's that what, what demonic cause is that? <laughs> I'm just joking. Anyway, anyway, so it is from. So if you don't understand two plus two in elementary school, you're going to have problem with finding X. Are you seeing? Are you getting what I'm saying? That is the same with the Bible. If you don't understand what Moses was saying in the first five books of the Bible, you can't understand the entire Bible. Is that simple. So, if you are taught in Genesis 1 when it says, let there be light, and there was light. If you are taught that light was a physical light, you will miss the entire context of light in the scriptures. If you are taught that darkness was a physical darkness, you will miss the entire context of darkness in the entire scriptures. So that shows to us that careful reading and careful explanations has to be done with Bible study. Hallelujah. Careful reading and careful explanation has to be done. So that shows to us that if we are not reading the Bible contextually, we are going to have a problem with it. If we don't have a contextual reading of the scriptures, we are definitely going to have a problem. So I'll say it again. So, the first five books was written by Moses, right? And who is Moses? Moses is that guy who the Lord called in Exodus 2. So now, because a beef background of the writer will help you. And now, who are his audience? His audience are the guys who were in bondage in Egypt and he went to rescue them. So, what kind of audience did he have? He has an audience Agarian audience, an audience that was not used, that was not used, they don't have access to cars, that don't have access to Teslas. that don't have access to phones, that don't have access to um, the normal um, modernization of life, they didn't have that, so if he is going to talk to his audience, he is going to talk to his audience in a way that they can relate to it. So, that is why Moses would write and say, the Garden of Eden. And we studied it and we said, the Garden of Eden is a physical location. I'm not to you remember that. All right, good. But we said, the Garden of Eden is a physical location. Such that, it is a place that depicts something that is in history. It's a place, a physical location in history. So, it's like saying, I'm writing about two guys who are in Cali or who are in... Um, Las Vegas. Let's use that place because those species are beautiful. Or let's say Manhattan. Is Manhattan fine? I know Bronx is not good. I know Bronx is not is not good. But I think Manhattan is. I think is. I think is it, is it quite better? Manhattan is quite better, right? Yeah. I think that's where the Times Square Times Square is, right? Uh-huh. So I think that's much better. But Bronx, no. The day I went to Bronx, my God, that place is so ghetto. I mean, I I don't, let's just just leave it that that way. So, now, he's writing about two guys in those cities, and he's telling us what they did, how they disobeyed God's voice. Remember, we explained the voice, right? And it doesn't make sense, the voice. How many of us understood the voice? All right, good. Now, we explained God's voice. And we said that God's voice is that voice that when we hear at the gospel, at the time we believe the gospel, that voice saves a man. That is why you will hear all throughout the scriptures if you are akin to my voice. So that means if you have not heard Moses, if you hear anything called voice in other books of the Bible, you are going to miss it. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? So, if you don't understand the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you don't understand what covenant means, what promise means, what um, even the serpent means. You know, a lot of people brought up the theology and said that snakes used to walk before, they used to talk before, and um, um, they, the God now made them start to crawl. That's, that's, that's the bad, a bad way of interpreting the scriptures, very bad. Is simply an imagery. It's a figure of speech, an imagery. So when it says the serpent was more subtle than any, the, the in the beast, it's more subtle in the field than any other beast. He's just saying it's just an imagery of the devil. That's why you will see Revelation 12, verse 9. Look at Revelation 12, verse 9. Quickly. Revelation 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9. Let's look at what is th- I described the serpent. Revelations 12, verse 9. Are you there? Revelation 12 verse 9. Is everybody there? It says, And that and the great dragon... Is everybody there? I'll wait for you. Revelation 12 verse 9. It says, And the great dragon was cast out. Look at what it says. That old what? Serpent. Called what? The devil. So he used the word serpent to describe Genesis events. That old serpent called the devil. So now, can you say that serpent who deceived um, Adam and Eve in the garden can you see is the devil right because but it was described how as serpents to his audience that is how his audience will relate with it don't forget i said they are agarian in nature they are agricultural in nature. All they do is farming, planting, all of those things. So that's why you will see you will keep seeing the word seed. If you thought the word seed means normal grape seed or fruit seed, you will miss it. That's look at it in Genesis 3, verse 15. He used the word seed, Genesis 3:15. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between Thy seed and what are seed. Now, does it mean a physical grape seed? No. Or a physical fruit seed? No. It's talking about a seed of a woman. That is, whatever child comes from a woman. So, that is what Adam is using or Moses is using to describe seed. So, that means if you have missed the description of seed in Genesis, you will keep thinking seed is your normal Grape seed or orange seed. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is wrong. So, you must see how the Bible is written in context. Hallelujah. So, that will help our understanding. So, we said Moses was writing to his audience. So, you and I will sit down in Moses' audience. I will sit down like Moses' audience to understand the scriptures. So, background setting, historical setting of scriptures, or understanding of scriptures matters, because you have to understand who is the writer writing to. It's just like if I write a letter now, and I'm writing to, um, I'm writing to um, Sister Joy, and I tell this Sister Joy, you know, we're going to talk about it later, and that's the only thing I wrote in the letter. You know, if you read the letter, you are not going to understand what the meaning of the it we are going to talk about means. You will have to read previous letters that we've written, right? To understand what I'm saying. Are you seeing it? So it means you have to do a study of context. So that is exactly how the scripture is. So we have to read the scriptures in context. So Moses wasn't writing to you in fact he didn't emphasize that his writing you will be reading his writings he wrote his writings to the guys that are going to the promised land so that they don't forget all he has taught them that was why he wrote that see you guys these things I have said all these things I have taught you take it and keep it with you as you enter the promised land that was why he wrote and today, you and I is reading what he has written since. You know, if he, if he imagines that there will be a day where we will be driving cars, you know, he would not have imagined it. Just like, <laughs> just like now, there's already flying cars. I saw, I saw something on, on Instagram this past week that in Dubai now, you can book an Uber for a flying car that they will just land on your on your on the top of your roof, and you calm down. <laughs> you see, we have we have not we have not started. <laughs> so imagine what the world is going to look like in the next couple of fifty years to come. Just imagine. Now they are already saying that in the next ten to twenty years, manual and automatic cars will be out of extensions. Is going to be electric cars that we'll all be driving. Now, that would mean that in the next 50 years, you don't even know what might happen. Maybe it's going to be that we'll just say, um, you are, I'll just appear there. We'll just have one technology that'll just appear, take me there, like, we'll just appear. Just you we'll just have to mention it. You are, I'm just there. <laughs> you know, you can't imagine. That's how the world is growing. Do you get it? Now, when I I was growing up, I never imagined there would be a day that I would be using a phone called iPhone. The phone we used, in fact, when, when phone first got to, so I came from Nigeria, right? When phone, GSM, first got to Nigeria, it was gold. Like, if your family have phone, like, you are like a king. I'm not joking, no. And it was very expensive. So my, my mother and my dad used to put it in a box. Like, <laughs> d- nobody must touch this thing. Like, so anytime my my mother finished calling, my mother would put it inside the box and close it. <laughs> 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 I don't know if what I'm saying. But today, even a child can operate an iPad. Imagine. Now imagine what will be in the next couple of hundred years to come. Probably, they will just... In if, fact, if maybe it's in their vision. They will just close their eyes and they will be... <laughs> you know, I can tell. If, if you watch all these Marvel movies, you will see that the next wave of technology is such that you can put something on your hand and like this, you'll be doing a video call with somebody. just touch something like this and the person you want to call will appear to you on the, on the air. Now, that is the kind of world we are in. Now, Moses will not have visage that. So, when he was writing, his mind cannot travel that far to think that we'll be using iPhone today. You know, now if we want to explain, now we want, we'll explain with iPhones, Teslas, Camry, you know, relatable stuffs, right? That was the same thing with Moses. He related his writings with relatable stuffs in their day: serpents, firmaments, heaven earth, mountain, seeds, are you seeing it, trees, garden, the things they were able to relate with, garden, promise, Sabbath, relatable stuffs, are you getting what I'm saying, so that was how it was written, are you seeing, so that shows that, you can't just go to the Bible now, just like how, you know people that use all this, that have special day for every month, and say, the 12th day means um 12th month means order one beginning two grace no two is i don't know three is trinity five i shall know five is grace six seven is perfection eight is new beginning nine is i don't know 10 is double grace 11 is uh, you people that went to church, tell me now. <laughs> what is 11? level tower miracle. So now, Boweto, The Bible, the, you will read in the 17th month. Why did you not name 17th month? That's to let you know they didn't use the normal calendar, Gregorian calendar that we used. You will read in the 17th month of the 18th day. We don't have 17 months in our today. We only have 12 months. So that's to let you know, if you are decide- trying to determine a month from the scriptures, you are making an error. Because they didn't use the normal Gregorian calendar that we are using. They used what is called the Jewish calendar at their time. And their own days were longer. It wasn't 365 days. Just like you can even in Ethiopia today, Ethiopia is still in 2015 today I, I mean they just i think they just clocked they just entered 2016 maybe like some months ago <laughs> so they have not even experienced covid19 or if they have covid19 they will call it covid14 or COVID, covid12 <laughs> now that's their whole world are you getting what i'm saying so, if you want to use the word of the Bible to relate with your own word, is a two different thing. So, what's the role of a Bible preacher? The role of a Bible preacher is to help you understand the scriptures and how it applies to your word. Does it make sense? The role of a Bible preacher is to explain the Bible for you in context and help you see how it is applicable to your own word. That's the role of a Bible preacher. To help you see the Bible, explain it in context, show you precept by precept, line upon line, contextual reading of it and, make it, and make you see how it is applicable in today's world. That is the role of a Bible preacher. So if you have missed it in the first five books, you are going to definitely have a problem reading on. And We were doing something last week. We were trying to study the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's go to Exodus 3 verse 15. Let's just do this quickly. Amen. Exodus 3:15. Or let's start from verse 13. Exodus 3:13. It says, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel, and shall say unto them. The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? And they shall say unto them, And, and what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. He and he said, thus, it thou, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am that sent me to you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, that thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. He now says, this is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So when he says, I am, I explain to you, I says, the word I am is from the Greek word H A Y A H, and it implies to exist to become, that is, I am that I am, that is God, that is the Elohim, will become Yahweh, to redeem, to save man. God will become a man, to save man. And don't forget, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 18, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 18, I explained this last week, you can lay your hands on last week's teaching. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 18, he says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee and of thy brethren like unto me, and ye shall hearken. He says, God will raise up a prophet in the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. That is, God will become a man. In verse 18 he now says, "I will raise up a prophet from among thy brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them and that which I command him. So that's to let you know that mm-hmm. God has promised his incarnations from the very beginning. in Genesis 315 Genesis 3:15. He told us, let's go to Genesis 3.15. We were there just a couple of minutes ago. He says, I will put enmity between thee and thy seed and the woman. He says, between the seed and thy seed, and it shall bruise the head, and thou shall bruise his heel. That is talking about a futuristic promise of a man. That is, the man that would destroy the serpent or destroy the works of Satan will be a man. And God will be that man. In Isaiah 7 verse 14, it says, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and he shall give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7 verse 14. In Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting, Priest of Peace. And all of those things. So that's to let us know, he says, the man, that is, God will become a man who will die and suffer for the sins of humanity. So meaning, man cannot pay the price by himself. So when God told Moses, go and tell them, I am that I am. I am that I am means, I will become a man to save and deliver. Now, he I explained it further in that Exodus 3.15. in now remember, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and this is my name in memorial. So meaning, if you don't understand what God did in Abraham, that make us start to say, we, we serve the God of Abraham. Even till today, we still sing that song, Abraham's blessings are mine lovely beautiful things i believe it abraham's blessings are still mine now if you don't understand what his blessings is what god did with him you won't understand why he says i am that person then we looked at something we're looking at abraham let's go to um genesis 22 let's look at genesis 22 let's just do a little recap before we move on from there we were there last week genesis 22 so don't forget, he says, I am, I am, and I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So in, Exodus, in Genesis 22, if you read from verse 1 to 19, it's a long read, and I don't think I have the time this morning. If you, if you read from verse 1 to 19, he says that, but look at in um, verse 2, Genesis 22, verse 2, it says, Take now thy son, thy only son whom um, thou love first, and give him into the land of Moriah, and offer him for a burnt offering, one and the mountains, and our third day. And look at what happened in verse 3. Abraham rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men and Isaac his son and the clave and all of those things. And look at it. Look at something. Verse 4. Very key. What did he say? Now, he used the motive of third day. Now, if I were you, what would you be thinking? Jesus' death, Jesus' burial, and the resurrection on the third day. There is always a motive. See, that's why, if you don't understand Moses' use of 40 days, you would not understand why Jesus will have to use 40 days. If you didn't understand what is about the 12 tribes of Israel, you will not understand why he had to pick 12 disciples if you didn't understand the use of three days as a motive you won't understand why jonah will even spend three days again in the belly you won't so it is very clear all through the scripture that jesus would die and spend three days it was very clear three days was a motive look at this guy now abraham when did he want to do this stuff the third day are you seeing it so Three days has been a motive in the scriptures. 40 days. So, if, look at what I'm saying now. So, if you have missed Moses' writing on the use of 40 days, the use of three days, the use of seven days, the use of Sabbath, you are going to have a problem in the scriptures. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. I'm opening your mind to Bible study. You must, you must, you must be astute with the scriptures. You must. So, if you don't understand all of those things, now, it's just like even the name Jesus. It means to save, right? It says in, in Matthew 1, verse 21, it says, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It is not difficult. Now, a lot of people think Jesus is a mysterious name. No, he's not. It's a normal name. In fact, a footballer in Brazil is called Gabriel Jesus. No, he's in Arsenal, rubbish club. I don't know why. How will Jesus be playing for Arsenal? What's that? Rubbish. Who is a national fan here? Let me see. If, if I want to do it now, I'll just say leave this service. But no. No. Mind you, we are still on top. Glory. i will just joking. i will just joking. Anyway, now, so if you have missed those motives of 40 days, 30 days, 7 days, you are going to have a problem. It's just like that name Jesus. The name Jesus is from the Hebrew word Joshua. What did Joshua do? Joshua took the people to the promised land. What did Jesus do? He took us from death and brought us into life. In Colossians 1, he says, look at Colossians 1 verse 12. Look at what Jesus did for us in Colossians 1 verse 12. Go there. Colossians 1 verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us way for you." Colossians 1 verse 12. Colossians 1 verse 12. Are you there now? Are you there? It says, giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us meet to be partakers of the heritage of the saints. He that says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. And translated us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. Can you say that's promised land? He took us away from bondage now and brought us into the promised land. So it was not difficult to know that the name of the person that will save us <laughs> will be Joshua. That's why I hate all those mysteries. They say David picked five stones. He means Jesus. No, in the Hebrew, <laughs> it is Joshua. <laughs> when he was growing up, they were calling him Joshua. It is from the Greek that we now start having the word Jesus. And you see, it's a normal name. He can't bear if he bears a mysterious name. Eh? If he bears a mysterious name, then he was not a man. He has to be like you and I to fulfill the redemption plan. Are you getting what I'm saying? So let's go back to our Exodus 22 so that we can, um, Genesis 22, so that we can move further. So now, in Genesis 22 verse 4, it says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto Israel, Abide here, and I will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Look at in verse 6. I'll wait for you. Genesis 22. Are you there now? Mm -hmm. Is everybody there? All right. It says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and took the fire, and it is sand and it is a knife, and went, and both of them went, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto the father, his father, and said, My father, said, Here I am. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, where is the lamb and the burnt offering? (laughs) You know, this part always makes me laugh every time. Just imagine you are just following your father. Your father takes everything he wants to use to kill something. And there is no, nothing he's going to use to kill. And the knife is very sharp. And you are just looking, ah, where are we going to? And I'm the only one following you. You already told the two, two young men to stay back. So only me are you is going to. <laughs> are you about to kill me? <laughs> you know, and look at Abraham's um, answer in verse 8. Very simple. It says, and Abraham said, my son, God will do what? Provide himself himself a lamb. Abraham knew that God was going to do it. (laughs) He knew it. He says, God will provide himself a lamb offering. And did it happen? Yes, it did. God provided the lamb offering. So when you start using the word, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, are you seeing the, the, the description when you start seeing the lamb, the lamb, uh, the lion, and the lamb—that's the description that everybody used. To use. <laughs> are you seeing? Are you seeing where it's coming from? So, and Jesus has now become that lamb for us, who took our place upon this, upon his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So now, in verse sixteen, in that verse he says, and he said, "By myself I have sworn, said the Lord." For thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not withheld thy son. He used the word, thy only son. Now, we asked her the question last week. We said, was Isaac the only son? No. He had Ishmael. He had other children. If you read in Genesis 25, verse 1 to 4, you will see the other children of, um, of, uh, of Abraham. Genesis 25, verse 1 to 4. Now, but why was this so spe- spectacular? In Genesis twenty-two verse two, he says, "Take now thy son, thy only son, whom what thou love." So now, if you see Jesus saying, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son," if you have not understood what is said now in Genesis, you will just say, "For God so loved the only begotten Son." You will see where the background of the story is coming from. Are you seeing that every other writers wrote for Moses, how many of you are seeing it now, they wrote for Moses, Moses is the founder, the vocabulary of the words of the scriptures, that's why he says, Jesus told them, he says in John 5, look at what Jesus said in John 5, let's go there quickly, go to John 5, John 5, are you there? Look at John 5. Look at what he says. Let's read from verse for verse 45. Are, we, are you there? John 5 verse 45. Are you guys there? Is everybody there? I'll wait for you. Oh yeah, yeah. once you ready go. let's read it together. Once you ready go Verse 46. Are you seeing it now? Look at it, verse 47. That is it. So Moses wrote of who? Jesus. So if you have not read Moses, (laughs) my brother, you are going to have problem with the Bible. He 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 is the vocabulary of everything. So what were other writers doing? It's like a Father Mark's They were expanding on his writings to make it clearer to their audience. So what am I doing today? I am still preaching the same sermon that Moses preached, that Jesus preached, that Paul preached, that Peter preached, that even Isaiah preached, David preached. I'm still preaching the same thing only with a different audience. So that is why, as a preacher, your gospel must be consistent with the gospel of other people in the scriptures. Once you see a preacher preach anything not consistent with the entire book, it is wrong. I must still be in the same stead like Paul teaching. I must still be in the same stead. Look at what Jesus said. He said, if you have not read Moses, you can't even understand what I'm even saying. Jesus is refining them back to Moses' writings. I thought he is Jesus, he should be saying his own thing, no, no, everything Jesus said including his temptation, when he was in temptation, he was still quoting Moses, the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's to tell you, every preacher must align at a point and must be consistent with what Moses taught. I must be consistent with what Joshua taught. I must be consistent with what David thought, with what Isaiah taught, Daniel, all the prophets, even Paul, Peter, John. I must be consistent with what they thought, only just with a different audience. So, we saw darkness in Genesis 1. We've walked through all the scriptures of darkness, right? And we said, we've gone through John 8 verse 12. We've drawn to Ephesians. We've drawn to all the writers. And we are still going to go through more. And all of them, we are saying the same thing. How many of you are seeing this? All of them, we are saying... So, once you see... Now, are you seeing how to see a sound doctrine? How many of you are seeing it now? How many of you are seeing it? Let me see your hands. So, once a preacher is not consistent with the writings of the scripture, is about to lead you into error. Once you see that what he is saying, what the scripture is saying, is that what Moses said? Is that what all the writers of the scripture said? Is that what ev- the Bible is talking about? If that's not what he is saying, he is about to lead you wrong. So we must preach the same thing only with a clarity. Does it make sense? So that was what all the writers were doing they were only expanding on it because of their audience hope you know the way i'm teaching now is going to be different in if i'm teaching a children class i don't know if you know what i'm talking about because i don't expect their minds to be that opened so i'm going to talk in a mind and in a way that we understand right so that will mean that i'm saying the same thing but my audience has changed are you see what I'm saying? So that will mean that as the world expands, also different things going on with the world, and all of those things, what is going to happen? The world will change, but the gospel must still be the same. So, when he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he was saying, The God of promise. So, and I explained to you, when he told them, Your only son. was saying he was applying the imagery that prefigures God's promise so in other words Abraham prophesied what Moses explained to the children of Israel that God will offer his only son so if you have seen how Moses or Abraham or how Moses explained Abraham explaining or wanting to give his only son as a sacrifice you would have started seeing a picture that someday God is going to give his son as the sacrifice. That's why you read that popular scripture, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. So if you have not read it in Abraham, you won't understand it. So that's why he called the place Jehovah Jireh. And what did you say Jehovah Jireh means? It means the God that provides. The God that provides. And we said the birth of Ishmael was a figurative expression of man's effort outside God's promise. The birth of Ishmael, Ishmael wasn't a bad child. No, it was just that. He wanted, most Abraham wanted something fast. He wanted to use his effort to do it. And that's what many of us are like today. We don't want to wait for God's promise. Let's say God has told you this is going to happen. You want a faster means. You want something. You want it to go to come out very fast. That was what Abraham did. So Abraham took the made effort and gave birth to a child. Are you seeing it? So that's to tell you that if you have missed it in Genesis if you have missed it in the first five books you are going to miss it in the entire bible are you seeing it now guys so that's to let you know that i said the birth of Ishmael was a figurative expression of moses concerning man's effort moses was explaining man's effort outside god's promise why the birth of isaac was faith in god's promise so when he says let's, so let's go back to Genesis 22, in that Genesis 22, let's look at verse 19. Let's look at 19, verse 19 now. He says, so Abraham returned into his young men, and they rose up and went together to Bathsheba. And Abraham dwelt in Bathsheba. So in essence, Abraham taught and prophesied concerning God's offering up his only son to die, to save humanity from bondage, sin, and he will be raised up from the dead and all of those things. And that is to say that Abraham prophesied about the death, the burial, the resurrection of the only son of God. So, but look at look at what was happening. Now, you were asking me, why? So now, that's to let you know that the stories of scriptures were not just... They were not just telling you stories to enjoy the stories. They were theology. The stories of scriptures are theology. Now, let me tell you the truth. Do you know that more than the stories that they told us in scripture happened in their world? How many of you know that everything that happened in the scripture is not what happened in their world? It was just unpicked. That's why till tomorrow, everybody is still having issues with who is the wife of Cain? Who is the wife of Cain? That's not your business. (laughs) <laughs> That's not your business. Who is the wife? If it is only king and Ever that is in the world. No. They were only walking you through a perspective. Moses was just intelligent with his perspective of scriptures. He was walking you through the seed of the woman with bruised the head of serpent. That's why you will see stuff like, and this begat this, this begat this, this begat this. The genealogy ended in Christ. That's why you will see in Matthew 1, they gave us that same genealogy again. This begat this. They now say he begat Joseph and he now begat Jesus. So that shows, if you have not read Genesis 3.15, that says the seed of the woman will bruise the heel of serpent. You won't understand what that begat, 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 begat means in the scriptures. I don't know if you are getting it to this point. Let me see your hands. So that's to tell you that the stories that they gave us in scriptures are theology. The study of God. So they will unpick stories and tell you. So they will tell you Noah. Why? Theology. They will show you Enoch. Enoch walk with God. Theology. They will show you Abraham. Abraham is not the only guy in that world. But they were walking us through a theology. Meaning that there was a day. Abraham walked with God. And so these experiences happen. So that's to tell you. Man eh, is God's way. fulfilling his promise let me tell you i always stop you i always tell you this in church if you know how to receive from man you are receiving from god god has not done anything on this earth outside man he has not even when he had to come down he came as a man so that's to let you know if you want to receive from god you will learn to receive from men if you want to hear from evil God, you have to know how to hear men. That is how God worked. And that is how he has always worked. He has always worked with man. That is why he said his name is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have worked with men. So I'm going to work with more. So when you see God using men today, that's why I tell you, never speak against who God is using. Never. Don't join the social media and the world to speak that against any preacher. Don't do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't do it. The men he has always used were never perfect. Abraham, you know Abraham's story very well. Abraham lied. Abraham had... Um, concubine with his with his housemaid look at Noah Noah was a drunkard look at David you know David's story I don't have to expose him Bathsheba you know his story very well but look at how God worked right that same Bathsheba was what gave birth to Solomon I thought I thought it should be I thought I thought it should be that that Bathsheba would not give birth but do you know who did not give birth? His own wife, Micah, who dishonored him. He said, you are just dancing naked. What are you, why are you dancing naked before your king? What and David replied and said, I'm dancing before your father. Like in Nigerian person we say it. And that's the only person that did not give birth in scripture. Because she dishonored who God was using. Samuel was not perfect. Eli. Look at his children, Ophini and Phineas. You can list all of them. Peter, you saw his weaknesses. He denied Jesus. Paul, a murderer. I thought if God wants to use somebody, he shouldn't use a murderer. So no man has been perfect in the scripture. And God worked with them ever still. In fact, he likes their imperfection. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So don't join the world to castigate any preacher. No one is perfect. And the man that he has chosen to use is not perfect. The only perfect one is himself. That's why he came to do the work. That's why he came as a man. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you want to understand who God is, you have to read the stories of men. Everything I've always told you. Everything you are reading in the Bible, you are reading the stories of men. Abraham, Adam, Eve. Abraham, everything, stories of men. You are not reading extraterrestrial stories. No. You are reading a story of how he has worked with men in time past. So that shows he is going to do the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's to let you know. So when he says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 12 Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. So you must be a man of honor, right? Somebody that honors who God is using. Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven, and who shall bring it down for us, that we may hear it. Neither is he beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over for, over the sea for us and bring it down. In Acts in verse 14. But the word is nighty even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. So what was Moses teaching? Moses was teaching that God himself will provide the lamb. In other words, Moses was teaching them events in history. So what was Moses doing? Moses unpicked events. So now, how how did Moses know all this story? Remember, Moses was born in Exodus 2. I don't know if you remember. He told us about his birth in Exodus 2. So how did he know what happened in Genesis? How did he know what happened to Abraham? All of those things. Let me tell you what happened. So it's like saying, he knew it through oral traditions. What is oral traditions? I will just give you in a vague way. Oral traditions is like saying, I'm telling you a story of... It's just like how I can tell you the story of America today. Christopher Columbus discovered America in 1960-something. In 16, 16 something. In the 16s. Now, I've not met Christopher Columbus before. Neither have you. But we are saying his story like we know him. Right? In fact, your teachers in school, your professors in school that teach you history courses will be teaching you Christopher Columbus like they met him. I, uh, that's my field, right? I do most of history, politics, all of those things. And when they are teaching us those things in school, and I'm wondering, how did you know? You didn't know, is it not that you read it? (laughs) And you are giving us an exam on this thing? Can't you just trust us the same way you read it too? (laughs) Can't you just trust us that you will know? You know, that's the thing I don't like most about teachers. I feel like they are the ones that don't trust people the most in this world. (laughs) Trust me that I've read this thing. You know, just trust me. You don't have to test me on it. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. But yet, they will still give you tests and say, no, we don't trust you. Just but still, still check. Let me test you whether you know it. So now, back to what I'm saying about oral traditions. So Moses was schooled by the Egyptians. Now, and that was a story. So stories were circulating in Egypt, those times. They were teaching them what has happened in four times their fathers what happened just like i can tell you the history of my town like i like i knew it but how did i know it my father sat me down one evening and told me the story of my native town just the same way in your family they will tell you your great 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 great, great, great something did this so this is why your name has changed i mean if you add a cost to change something. I'm not talking about marriage now, but in your family, you have had a cost to change your last name. How many of you? Let me see. Okay, one person. Just one, two, okay, three. Now, now they told you the story of what was your previous name and now that it is this your previous name. Are you seeing it? Now, Now, if you want to tell your children, you will tell your children, see, this has not always been our last name. They told me that this is it. So, you know what Moses did? Based on all the stories, and I has been schooled, he was able to pick the major stories that depict redemption. So that's why you can't use the Bible as a book of history. A lot of people used to say, "We want to know when God created the earth from the Bible." That is not where you will find it. Go and do research. Archaeologists will tell you there are mountains that dates back a million years. I don't know if you are taking anthropology classes here and they told you all of those things that mountains, some mountains, some rock are dated to a hundred, a hundred million years ago. Then you'll be wondering, but they said the Bible is about 6,000 years. That's to let you know that you can't use the Bible for that study. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because now, you know, we are studying in the beginning. God created everyone and it. We are still going to get there. maybe in Bible immunities, maybe not in this one. To let you see that, that was not, there was no, that was not what Moses was saying. Now, you know, we've said, let there be light, darkness now is not physical. Are you seeing it now? So that's to let you know, he picked his stories to show you redemption. To show you how that God would die and become a man. Are you seeing it? So his stories were deliberate. So that's why you'll be wondering, okay, why did he pick Adam and Eve? Was it just only Adam and Eve in the world? Was it just, um, was it, well, who did Cain marry? Who no. <laughs> he just picked a story to explain something. He's not trying to make you see who, who married who, who did not marry who, who was in the world, who was not in the world. How many of you get what I'm saying? So his stories were deliberate, deliberate theologies. So, that's why you can pick the Bible and say, this is a study of God. So, he picked his stories to depict something. So, that's why it seems like there is a consistent motive in the scripture. There is an intertextual corroborations such that this will relate with this. This will relate with this. This will relate with this. It seems like everything as that, how many of you get what I'm saying? As that intertextual thing is because they were leading you to a journey that the Son of Man will die for the sins of man and save man from death, bondage, darkness. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you're seeing how Moses wrote, right? So that's why he gave you his own birth story in Exodus 2. So you'll be wondering, how did he know 50 chapters? What? How did he know all of these stories? He was taught. He, t- he took his three classes too, just like you. But he was able to unpick the 50 chapters he wrote for us and give us deliberate theology of what God is doing are you getting what I'm saying are you getting what I'm saying so now he now told us in Genesis 22 verse 16 let's go back there. Genesis 2216 is this is Bible making sense to you guys yes, sir. all right it has to you have to listen again and again right yeah you have to. I think I'm talking too fast, but I, I will not talk too fast in Bible amenotics, So you should listen to Bible amenotics. <laughs> Alright, he now said in Genesis 22 verse 16, he says, And said by myself, I have sworn, see, the Lord, that thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not withheld thy only Son. Can we say that's a depiction of what Christ would do? You Right? Not withholding his son from us, right? Now in verse 17, he now told us something. In this is that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of heaven, and the sand which wishes upon the seashore, and the seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. In verse 18, he now says, In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He says, Because thou hast done what? You know, we've studied obeyed my voice and all of those things now. So he says, because you have obeyed my now, because you have obeyed my voice, we mean because you are what? Believe the gospel. Are you seeing it now? Now, so you know, you know, we've explained obey my voice. I'm not sure we're there when we when we're doing that study of obedience to his voice. All right. So now he says, So now that means the one to die to save. From sin is not Isaac; rather, is the only son of God, and we know that. And it's in, in thy seed. This will not be in reference to Isaac. Also, it will mean in reference to the Son of God. So that is the Messiah, the one who would come, who will be a prophet among the Jews, and all of those things. So that is to let us know that in this, in the Messiah, the humanity will come from the lineage of Abraham. So that's why. When you keep reading Abraham's blessings are mine, you keep seeing your father's Abraham in the scriptures, you are understanding what he's saying. Then look at something. He taught the children, Moses was teaching the children of Israel concerning his death, burial and resurrection as the only Soul of God. Then he now says, I will multiply thy seeds. Very key emphasis. So the multiplication of his seed means, upon the resurrection, anyone who has believed his voice. The seed would be multiplied in all the nations. And what was Moses' teaching? He was teaching that by reason of people who have believed the voice, there will be multiplications of the sons of God across the earth. Meaning that the story of Abraham was to explain in a figure God's plan to have multiplications of sons in the nations of the earth multiplications of men so that is why he says something in Genesis 1 verse 11 to 12 let's look at something Genesis 1 verse 11 to 12 so God in his resurrection would have multiplications of sons in the nations of the earth he says I will multiply thy seed that means that upon the resurrection God will multiply his sons. God's plan, let me tell you. Go and listen to Glory Meeting 2022. I explained God's plan there. God's plan in Habakkuk 2, verse 22. Habakkuk 2, he made us to understand. He says, as the waters cover the earth. He says, the knowledge of the, uh, of the glory of God shall cover the earth just as. Ah, no, I'm missing it out. Let's go to. The, just as waters covers the sea. No, I, I'm missing it. It, oh, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, just as the waters covers the sea. Should I tell you what is God's plan today? God's plan is not who is going to be the president of America. God is not bothered. That's not God's concern. God is concerned about how many people is going to come into the kingdom. That 's not his problem we 're going to study something very soon we 're going to start this, a series very soon maybe maybe this maybe towards the end of this month or next month God and racism is God behind the colors that we have we 're going to study it from the scriptures what is God behind the race the population and all of those things we 're going to look at it from the scriptures very intelligent study so anticipate for that <laughs> now God is not he does not concerned about if you go to school, if you do not go to school, if you make money, if you do not make money. That's not his business. So. His business is, have you heard, have you heard my voice? <laughs> have you believed the gospel? Okay, you believe. believed. Good. Welcome home. That's God's concern. That's God's concern. He says in Genesis 1 verse 11. He says, and God said, "Let the earth bring forth g- grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so." In verse twelve, not in this series, but I'm going to explain these two texts to you, but not this series. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs yielding seed after its kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose Seed was itself and its kind. And God saw, it, saw that it was good. Hmm. Not this series, but I will explain it in later. He says, the seed brought forth yeeds and seed after its kind. Then he now says in verse 26, look at Genesis 1:26. This is where I was going to. He says, and God said, let us make man in our own image. A lot of you have been thinking, ah, you are in the image of God. No, you are not in the image of God. You are in the image of your parents. You look like your mom and your dad. So stop looking at the mirror and say, I'm in the image of God. No, you are not. Sorry to bust your bubbles. You are not in the image of God. You are in the image of your parents. (laughs) And if you give birth to your, your own child today, your child will be in your image. <laughs> you know <laughs> let me not see what I want to say <laughs> and God said let us make man in our own image after our likeness anyone who has believed the gospel is now in the image time will fail me to explain that but anyone who has believed the gospel is the one in the image of God Hallelujah. You can't say a non-believer is in the image of God. You can't say an atheist is in, is in the image of God. How is that possible? He is not in the image of God. He needs to be in the image. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? So he now says, after, I so that means this is for the new creation, right? Any man who has believed the gospel, who has believed the gospel, is in the image of God. It's after his likeness. And they shall have dominion over the sea over the fowl of the air over every creature over all the earth over every creeping thing that crept upon the earth in verse 27 very key it says god created man in his own image and in the image of god he created the male and female he created them and he blessed them and said be fruitful multiply and replenish the earth subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth so it is clear that man in god's image and likeness it is evident that the man in god's image and likeness is the only son of god obviously who will suffer who will die and raise from the dead so in the resurrection he would multiply and replenish the earth so when he says He blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply. This blessing, let me tell you, any man who has believed the gospel is blessed, he is to multiply. He is to replenish the earth. And how is he going to do it? By the preaching of the gospel. He would multiply. He will replenish the earth. And there will be multiplications of his seed. Let me tell you how God wants to replenish the earth and multiplying the earth. Our multiplication in the earth is not that we should keep giving birth to children. No. That is not his plan. His plan is that every man multiplied on the earth would believe the gospel. That is God's plan. His plan is not go and be giving birth to children. No. <laughs> no. His plan is that in the multiplication of the seed, there would be that resurrection. That means the resurrection will bet multiplications. That is why after the resurrection, he told them, go and preach the gospel. In Mark 16, Matthew 28, to every creature, he that believeth and That was the only promise, only commandment he gave them. We even call it the great commission. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 men were saved. Multiplication started. What happened again? 5,000 men. What happened again in Acts 6? It says the numbers of the disciples were multiplied. So if you have missed multiplication in Genesis, you will not understand that multiplied in Acts 6. It says, now the numbers of the disciples are multiplied. In, Acts, in Luke 24, it says, they went everywhere preaching the gospel for God was with them. That's, I'm sorry, that's uh, Mark 16, sorry, 20. They went everywhere preaching. That is how God wants to replenish the earth. That is how he wants to fill the earth. That is how he wants to multiply the earth. So, it is clear to us that upon the resurrection, God will multiply himself. He's going to multiply himself. So, that is why you and I can now stand in his stead and preach. And he says, whosoever sins you retain in John 20, it shall be retained. You now have the power. Look at John 20. Let's go there. John 20. John 20. Look at John 20, verse 22. This was after the resurrection. John 20, 22. Is this making sense to you? Is this making sense to you? So that shows to us. Look at John 20, before we go there, get there. John 20, verse 22. And he said unto them, and he breathed on them, and he said, on, and he said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. In verse 23, it now says... Let's read it together. I want to ready go. Whoever since you remit. Whoever, 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 whoever. Who is doing it? You. And how would you do it? By the preaching of the gospel. Meaning, when you preach and men receive you, their sins are forgiven. So a man today is the one preaching the gospel to give people part, uh, forgiveness of sins. My preaching is giving men forgiveness of sins. Why? Because God said he wants to multiply the earth. His multiplication is not going to be done by giving physical birth. No, 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 no. It's not going to be done by physical birth. No. His multiplication is going to be in his image and in his likeness. In Colossians 1. Go to Colossians 1. Go to Colossians 1 again. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 14, Colossians 1, verse 14, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominion, principalities, and powers, and all things are created by him and for him. In that sense, and he is before all things, and all things consist. In that sense, he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. That, is, that in all things he might have preeminence. And that he might have preeminence. He now says, For he pleased the Father that he should, he pleased the Father that in, that in him should all fullness dwell. In verse 22, he now says, That, and having made peace with the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto him, by him I say, whether there be things in it or things in heaven. But look at in verse 15. It says, who is in the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. And this was speaking about Jesus. So when he says in Genesis 1 verse 26, he says, he created man in his own image and in his likeness. You are not in the image of God. No. You are only in the image of God when you have believed the gospel. You are in the image of your parents right now. That is why if you die and you have not believed the gospel, you can go to hell. But somebody whose spirit of God is dwelling in him cannot go there. Because he's in the image of God. So when he now says, he blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply. Let me tell you, that has been the instruction God has given every man. That instruction is still in our today's world. That be fruitful and multiply is not go and be giving birth. No! It means go and reproduce your kind. It says bringing seed after itself. Meaning now that I've been born again. I must reproduce my kind. And my reproducing my kind will not be by physical birth. It will be by preaching the gospel. The spirit of God will now dwell in them. So that's why in Genesis 22, when it's promised Abraham, he said, I will multiply thy seed. Remember, we read that in Genesis 22. He says, I will multiply thy seed. Now, look at something. It has been all through the scripture. Let me quickly walk you through it. Look at something that happened also with Noah. Go to Genesis 8. Look at Genesis 8 quickly. Genesis, or let's look at Genesis 9. Look at Genesis nine. It seemed like God did this with everybody. Look at Genesis nine. Are you there? Genesis nine, verse one. So we've seen it in Genesis one twenty-six, right? Genesis one twenty-six, right? We've seen that in Genesis one twenty-six. How he's going to multiply the earth and all of those things, right? Yes, sir. Now, look at uh, Genesis. Look at even Genesis six, verse one. Let's look at something. Before we get to Genesis 9, Genesis 6, 1, it says, and it came to pass when the men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. It says the men were multiplied, but look at something in Genesis 9, very key. Genesis 9, verse 1, it says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, Multiply and do what? Was he telling Noah to go and give birth? No. Go and reproduce your kind. And now, what did Noah do? Noah was the one who now saved the people from, from what happened. What did he do? He saved the people from, from the flood. He rescued them from danger. The same way you are going to rescue people from their sins by preaching. Look at in Genesis 12. Let's look at something in Genesis 12, verse 2. Genesis 12, verse 2. Look at the very first time he had an encounter with Abraham. What did he tell Abraham? He says he should come out of his father's house in verse 1. In verse 2, he now says, I will make thee great. I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, cause them that cause thee, and the earth." and all the families of the earth shall be blessed is he talking about his physical family no that is not what he's talking about now let's go back to let's see quickly now let's look at genesis 22 where he said it again let's look at genesis 22 he said it again in verse 17 he said that in blessing the same thing he told noah right the third thing he told Adam in Genesis 126, in that in blessing I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and the sand upon the seashore, and the seed shall possess the gate of thy enemies. It now says, And in thy seed shall all the nations be blessed, because thou hast what? Obeyed my voice. Now look at Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Quickly. Look at, now, this is Isaac's time. Now, so that you can see, when we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were the God of promises. Look at, uh, look at Genesis 26, very quickly. Now, this is Isaac's time. In verse 3, he says, sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. I will bless thee, and unto thee, and unto thy seed, I will give thee all these countries. I will perform the oath which I swear unto thy father. What did he tell his father? I will bless you. He now told him again in verse 4. I will make thy seed to do what? To multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give unto thy seed and all the country and all thy seed and all the nations of the earth to be what? To be blessed. He said, because that Abraham did what? And kept my charge and kept my commandment and my statutes and my law. And Isaac dwelled there. The same thing he told Isaac. The same thing he told Abraham, he told Isaac. Now let's look at Jacob quickly. Let's go to um let's go to uh, Genesis 28. Look at go to Genesis 28. Quickly. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when so now let's look at this. When he told them I will multiply thy seed, were they giving birth to a physical children? No! What's the seed? Meaning anyone who has believed the gospel as a walk. See, let me tell you. Every one of you is blessed. Why? Look at even Before we go there, look at Ephesians 1 quickly. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. You are a blessed man. Hallelujah. No one is cursed. Only an unbeliever is cursed. So no one should say you are cursed. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are blessed. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, look at in verse, um, look at in, in verse 3, Ephesians 1, 1 verse 3, Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done us, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Our own blessing is not even natural. God has blessed us. Say I am blessed. No, sounding like you mean You are blessed. And it is from that blessing you are going to use to bless others. Your blessing is not to keep to yourself. No. Your blessing is to multiply, to increase, to have men you are reaching out to. Multiply yourself, not physically, not physical birth. Look at in Genesis 28. Let's go back there. Let's go back to Genesis 28. Let's see what God told these guys to again. Time will fail me. I would have walked you through the entire scriptures. What he promised everybody. So, to let you see that the blessings of God are not material. No, 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 they are not. Look at Genesis 28. Look at in verse. Look at, let's read from verse, uh, in verse 28, verse 1. It says, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and all of those things. But look at in verse 13. Genesis 28, verse 13, he says, and, the, and behold, the Lord stood above it. He says, I am the Lord, I am the God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. He says, The land where thou liest, to thee, I will give thee, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And it shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee, and thy seed. Shall all the families of the earth be what? Be blessed. In says in verse 15, and behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places. Is that for us today? Because you have believed the gospel. He says, I will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest, and, and I will bring thee again into the land, and I will not leave thee. So, when he was telling us in, in, in Matthew, and say, I will not leave you nor forsake you, is it making sense? that is his promise so when he told us in Matthew 28 and say and lo I am with you always even to the end of the world is he making sense because that is God's promise he has given us his spirit to multiply and replenish so when he says thy seed every believer everyone who has believed the gospel as I begin to close now everyone who has believed the gospel must have understanding of his seed So that shows your work is to multiply. As you have believed the gospel, you are blessed. You are not cursed. But let me tell you, what is God's blessing on your life? God's blessing on your life is that you replenish, you subdue, you multiply yourself via the preaching of the gospel. So when he said, let there be light, and there was light, It is not a once thing. It is a forever thing. So when I preach to somebody today, what am I saying? Let there be light. And what is happening? I am multiplying myself. When they get saved, so that's why. He says they will give us crowns, gold, all of those things. When we get to heaven, those things refer to men. You are going to be rewarded in heaven not because you believe the gospel no God is going to reward you for the work you have done what is the work you did preaching the gospel multiplying yourself meaning that you are partnering with God to see his own plan come to pass what's the essence of a church what's the essence of preaching the gospel you are not doing it for yourself You are doing it because that is what God told Noah. That is what God told Adam and he disobeyed his voice. That is what God told Isaac, but he believed. That is what God told Abraham, he believed. That is what God told Jacob, he believed. And that is what God has told us today. So you and I will be blessed, rewarded by the amount of souls we bring into the kingdom. We are blessed. We are not cursed. So that shows there is a blessing on our lives. The seed of Abraham rests on us. We have believed the gospel. You and I can safely say we are in his image. An unbeliever cannot say that. A man who has not believed the gospel cannot say he is in his image. You and I, because we have believed the gospel. We can say we are in God's image, we are in God's likeness, we are in God's graciousness, we are in God's blessing. That's why you must be confident. When the devil tries to show his ugly head, remind him that you are blessed. Uh-uh. You are blessed. You are not cursed. He doesn't have a way to you. That's why he says the devil moves around looking for who to devour. How do we come to somebody who doesn't even know who he is? That's why you see a lot of believers going through a lot of struggles because they don't know they are blessed. <laughs> I am blessed. 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 You're not saying like, you know, I am blessed. And because I am blessed, I have the blessing of God with me. Just like I'm preaching this morning. Do you know what is happening? I am dispensing of the blessing of God with me to you. And God wants the same thing to be done through you. God wants to bless the earth through you. It's not by giving people money. It's good. It's not by giving people houses. It's good. But that is not how God wants to bless the earth. God wants to bless the earth by more men preaching the gospel. Somebody will say, "Ah, when will Jesus come? <laughs> Look at the word. It is not looking like it. Saudi Arabia is still a Muslim nation. There are still places that people have not even heard the gospel. The word is not coming soon anytime. Until we as Christians rise up to the tax of the blessing of God on our lives to do his work. So wherever you are in your workplace, in your campus, your friends, what's your responsibility as a blessed man? You will share the blessing, right? Because a bless, somebody who is blessed is not stingy. And that blessing is to be shared. And how do you share it? Have you believed the gospel? You preach to them. And that is the blessing of God. So as we close, in Genesis 1, verse 3, 1 to 3, when it says, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was without form. void and darkness was upon the face of the deep he says and the Spirit of God move upon the face of the waters and he says let there be light and there was light that is the promise of heaven and earth light shining out of darkness meaning the Spirit of God in man the seed bringing forth seeds after his kind Will be fulfilled in the resurrection of the Son of God. So that we mean that when a man has believed the gospel, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is shining in his heart. Look at how Paul sees it as we close Second Corinthians four. Uh, let's look at this as we close. Are you seeing it, guys? The blessedness of what the Scriptures say. I am blessed. One more time. Look at how Paul sees it. We're going to look at the New Testament more. And this be light in the New Testament. We've done the Old Testament, right? Now we're going to do New Testament next week. And I think we'll finish it then. 2 Corinthians 4. Look at how Paul explains it. How Paul explains what happened in Genesis. Look at it. In verse 5. Or let's start from verse 4. Or let's start from verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4. Are you there? It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. It says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. What? What does it say? He says, who is what in the image of God should shine on them. So, if you have not understood Genesis, I hope you know you have a problem with this scripture. In Genesis in verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus Lord and ourselves, your servant for Jesus' sake. In verse 6, it now says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Is that Genesis? Yes, sir. Is that Genesis? Yes, sir. In our says, art what Shined, Shined in dark. our heart. To do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So when you preach the gospel, what is happening to people's hearts? the light of the gospel is shining there. Hallelujah. So when God said, let there be light, it means you and I now have the responsibility to do God's work. Blessed? Lift your hands and just thank God wherever you are. Lift your hands and just bless him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. It's such a privilege. uh, It's such a privilege that We can be called the sons of God to do his work. Oh, just worship him and bless him. Oh, thank him. Thank him.